this week on Breaking Bullying. We are going to talk about how not to raise a bully and how we can prevent our kids from being bullied. I'm going to hit that music and get started. Joining me this week is a parent, author, child development expert, Jerry Burrs. Jerry, thank you for coming on today. Hey, great to be here, Tim. And I found out that you're not just a parent of one kid, you have like a half a dozen kids. Yeah, we have a classroom of kids, you could say. Six kids, that's a lot. I have five myself. So Jerry, let's just get right into it. We talk about a lot on the show about kids being bullied, but it's very rarely we get to talk about what if I'm a parent of a bully? How can I raise my kids not to be a bully? What advice do you have for me today? Yeah, so it's, it's, uh, it's, it's actually a simple concept, but it takes a lot of work. And so let's start with, we had six kids and one of them was special needs, uh, had some medical challenges. And so uh, one, one of the, my oldest child though, was about three, four years ahead of our, our special needs child. And so when our special needs child got into the thick of his medical challenges, we actually kind of lost track of him as he became a teenager, okay? And so what happened was, is he got into a, a kind of a rough crowd of teenagers and he kind of became a oppositional defiant disorder type of child and acted out. And basically he became a bully within our home. He would actually bully his mother um, and then start to bully his, his siblings somewhat. Um, and so we, when we look, when I look, how do you bully your mother? Well, and it's mostly the, the ODD stuff where he just, uh, he fights back with her, defies okay. her, uh, becomes physically, uh, aggressive towards her. And yeah, we had, we had the cops in our yard a couple of times, broken glass, broken drywall. Uh, you know, so what we learned from all that was that there are ways to prevent growing these types of bullies. Now we did a lot of things right. And eventually this young man turned his life around largely on his own as he became an adult. But some of the things you, you want to do with it is what we did with our next four kids behind our medically challenged kids. And that is we spent a lot of time together. We always knew what they were doing. Uh, we always, we, we largely did them together, but we, in that doing things together, we also gave them space to learn and grow and develop their self-esteem. Uh, you know, all those things that, that parents kind of know they need to do, but they don't make it that important, it seems, for some reason, uh, until there's a problem, like the bullying. And that's why I think it was a blessing to us to have had that first child as a learning experience. And, and again, my hat is off to him for really turning things around. He took what, the good we gave him and discarded the rest, which I think we're all tasked with as children, right, of moms and dads. But you definitely got to spend a lot of time with the with with your with your kids, and just so you're knowing who they're hanging around with, uh, what they're doing, so they they also feel comfortable coming to you when when they're approached by uh, people that they aren't sure that what they're doing is is a good is a good thing. When you say you spent more time with your family, like what type of family time did you do? Yeah, so family time for us was once we started homeschooling the kids, we got them involved pretty heavily in like 4-H and youth groups. And we used uh, like a local Christian youth group. So our kids were always hanging around with other kids who we knew parents were promoting uh, character traits in their own household. And we had them in a nature center program where they spent time outside in nature and empathizing with all of the 
you know, all of God's creatures here, for example, you know, we also spent a lot of time together. So they understand as they spent time with their sibling, their special needs sibling, which again would kind of grow their empathy. And if you understand what bullies, bullies don't have empathy for other people, right? They're very self-centered. And so our kids, you know, so other parents don't need to have a special needs child in the home, right? They can certainly get their kids out in other types of volunteer arrangements where they spend time with kids with disabilities or adults or even the elderly. They can join, our kids join 4-H, for example. There are a multitude of opportunities, you know, for community service projects and spending time with other different types of families and different types of people where, you know, you start to build uh, a respect for all human life. And again, bullies don't have that respect for human life. So it's really, it's really getting your kids in a number of these types of social arrangements that you are a part of so you can coach them and you have to coach actively. I see a lot of, I see a lot of parents bring their kids out there and they just kind of let them fend for themselves. But the problem with that is that kids will often uh, draw conclusions about their experiences that are not, that are really off base, that, that aren't accurate. So we need to help them draw the right conclusions about their experiences. And that's, that's why spending time with them, you see what they're in, what experiences they're having, and you can have those one-on-one live events of, of coaching with them. What's your advice for parents that where we don't have the option of homeschool, both parents are working full-time day jobs, and they only got those few hours in the evening? That is a lot more challenging, I would agree. I think there isn't this line in the sand that says this amount of time has to be spent. In fact, there's a, there's a big debate, and I, I cover that in a, in a part of my book too, where you know, there's this debate on how much time or does time quality beat time quantity spent with kids? And it really is about both. So in other words, you can't have all this quantity of time and you're on your cell phone or your kids are just off on the playground and you're not interacting with them or having any kind of input. A certain amount of time with a lot of quality will trump a lot of time. So that kind of balance parents need to figure out on their own. But I'm, I'm here to say that it absolutely is possible, right? Plenty of parents are raising kids who aren't bullies and who aren't being bullied, right? And so these are parents who are working, both working outside the home. Like you said, they only have time in the evening, but they're finding some of that time is very quality time. And what it, what it has to do, the outcome you need, of course, is kids need to feel comfortable coming to you when there's challenges. And they give you all kinds of signs, you know, how they are doing. And so you have to be able to, you know, so in other words, when you're with your kids, you need to, ha- you need to be paying attention to them and not just being in the same room. You know, that, that focus is required as well. What kind of signs am I looking for in my child? So signs of certainly if it's okay. So the early signs would be things like uh, just mood changes. Okay. Now a, a mood change for a day, not a big deal. If you have a few days running together where this child is struggling with mood, okay, something's going on in their life. Now, again, this is all preventable if we spend a lot of time early on in the very early years from zero to four, right? If we're spending a lot of time with these kids and building self-esteem and responsibility and just teamwork in these kids when they're really early, this doesn't become a problem. They, they're going to be feeling willing to share with you immediately when those things come up. But if for some reason we are, we kind of, our kids kind of get away from us and we've had that experience, right? With our oldest son, if they, if that gets away from you, certainly um, pay attention to these mood swings that become more prominent 
Um, if it gets worse and worse, you can kind of feel their energy a lot. Um, they'll start showing signs like poor academics, uh, poor academic and uh, performance, especially testing. Teachers often see this stuff. Let's be friendly with our teachers, you know, irrespective of this, this battle that seems to be going on between parents and teachers of late. You know, parents blaming teachers, teachers blaming parents for how our kids are not turning out. But let's be friendly with our teachers because teachers can be on our side and, and vice versa. Teachers need to be friendly with parents and, and, and stop this blame game because our kids' uh, lives are at stake here. So just basically mood. If it gets to depression, uh, it's gone on for way too long already. Anxiety, if they always seem to be on edge or they're, you know, they're really, really testy. They, uh, kids will withdraw when they're being bullied. You, you may notice your own kids being a bully when you see that they become more aggressive. Uh, this is pretty well known. And again, your your teachers or other adults who they spend time with, let's be tasking them with keeping us posted on, hey, how are they doing? Uh, how are they doing in class lately or in the youth group at church or wherever you have or coaches on, on the sports team, for example, and and be be questioning the people they're spending time with. Uh, they'll have things to share with you. Do you have any like great activities for families to do with their kids that is uh, that are free, doesn't cost money? It doesn't take a lot of time. Yeah, I, I think in one in one word, nature. Okay, uh, all kinds of different school systems and youth groups and 4-H clubs and and so on. So uh, Boy Scouts, Girl Scouts, they all use nature. And the secret they know is that when you get kids out in, in nature, their spirituality, their intuition, their their energy about them gets more grounded. You know, it, it's like. Nature has this way of healing, and we know that. I mean, any of us can just step outside. Maybe it's just the, what, the grounding that happens if you're barefoot, or you know, it's your way of empathizing with other parts. And I think what happens is, so houses, if you can imagine, like you got five kids, I got six kids, you know well aware, you're well aware that there's a lot of energy there. And what nature does, it dissipates that energy. You know? And so we need to get kids that relax. Because you think about bullying, whether your child's bullying and being aggressive with other kids, or they're being bullied. When you get kids out in nature, they come down from that high stress uh, that is happening during those bullying episodes. And it's really important. So nature is one huge, huge ta uh, technique I, I, I strongly coach parents on. Oh, yeah. There's some great nature stuff like that geocaching. Is it, it's called geocaching, yeah. right? Geocaching, yeah. like an app. You go out and you look for, look for things. Geocaching. Yes. I, I never done it. I have friends who do it. Like, I want to try that. For us, for us upper Midwesterns, we know it's cold in January and February. What can we do yeah. indoors? We, we forced our kids to go outdoors in the uh, winter. <laughs> but um, no, and, and that's true. So indoors, there's some good programming. As much as we like to talk down a lot about too much internet use or too much TV, just make sure that if you're using, if they're using TV, you know, you can cop the plea with your kids a lot on, okay, if you want to watch for two hours today, an hour of it's got to be this program here I found for you. And, and kids largely, okay, think about this. Kids love science, right? They love studying science and exploring geography and just different stuff like that. So it, it's, it's really not hard to find the stuff So we have to task ourselves with finding these sources online. And, and on our side, we never really had to do a lot of that because we, we didn't, we weren't, we didn't refrain from going outside when it was cold or whatever. I mean, again, our, our, our kids were tasked with working, number one, chores around the house. So that's a responsibility uh, trait. 
And the other thing was yep. like shoveling snow in the driveway in the wintertime. I mean, I had a snowblower and, and yet I'm, I had my kids go outside and still shovel snow. There's, it was purposeful, right? And a lot of times you can't clean off sidewalks or porches very well. So, so they all got that kind of out in nature, even during the winter. And we, we underestimate the powerful trait building, character trait building that just the length of time it takes to get dressed up into our suit and our boots and our clothes and then walking outside and finding your tool and spending time in nature, shoveling snow. And oh, by the way, when it's all done, hey, the snow is a little sticky today. Let's go build a fort. So work first, play second. And again, our, our kids were, our, certainly our last four kids were very good at, at, at understanding how to you know, work as a team and, and work with each other. And, and there was never going to be any evidence of bullying. And they were, as far as we know, there was never really any strong confrontations with, of, for them with a bully either. Um, because think about it this way, right? Bullies don't pick on strong kids. So our goal here is to raise kids with high self-esteem and, and strong character. How do I start implementing that good quality time with my child, especially if they just want to sit on the TV, play video games, be on their tablet? How do I get this routine going? Yeah. And again, it is, it is tougher if you don't start early. I, I, I totally agree. It's tougher. And we, we had to deal with that a lot with our, our child. What I want to emphasize here too is, okay, so as old as child, as much as I think he, he, he had some challenges because of our dynamics with a, a medical crisis in the family, we lost track of him and, and he kind of turned his life around. He swears today to all of his friends, you know, what a godsend his parents were and, and so on and so forth. So we were doing enough of the right things, enough of the time with him that he still turned it around. So that's kind of my main point to parents about bullying, okay? So bullying doesn't have to be an end all to, to a, a child's life. You know, there are situations where a lot of kids, they struggle with it for life. Some will commit suicide and, and those are absolute tragedies. And so I can largely talk to preventative things, but you know, if, if you're starting late with a kid, it's never too late. I think you've got to get good at consequences and sometimes you actually have to use law enforcement or outside sources or get help outside the home. And the reason I say is because what happens is we lost respect with our son. So when you lose respect with somebody, you have no influence over them. That's why you start early so that you can retain that influence over your kids. So when a bully comes along or somebody else with, with um, suspect intentions, right, that want to steal your child from you, quote unquote, you know, you, you have no influence and they will go to that. They will go to what the bully does and become one of those bullies. So that's what happened kind of with our oldest son, except we did enough of the right things with him. And we started using consequences and we started using timely law enforcement. And, and we also knew some of the kids his parents were hanging around with. So we talked with them and it turns out that their kids were also just all kind of acting like teenagers, right? There's this line in the sand where kids will veer off and become troubled teens and get into trouble and then struggle as young adults. And there's this line in the sand that they will just tow it for a while, just testing the waters. And I think that's what a lot of our, our son's friends were doing and that he was hanging around with. But because he had some challenges in the home, he just was, he was coming, he was catching it all late. He wasn't figuring it out until a few years later that he actually had it good in many ways. So 
if you're starting late, just, you know, don't be afraid to ask for help outside the home. Enlist the help of pastors, uncles and aunts, um, depending if, if you've got boys or girls, school teachers, coaches, uh, any of these people who can like get, get them involved in sports, for example. But you have to find what I call a third party parent, somebody who can he can that can gain his respect and then can have that influence. And eventually what happens is they'll transfer that influence back to you. You know, and you're kind of you're kind of the go between, and and you know even this, this remember this boy or girl is still living with you, so you got to be able to still have consequences. How do I do that? The easiest way to get them wanting to do it, uh, it becomes a routine for them. Yeah, so I I think you have to actually start with making them do that. I mean, our job as a parent, like I said, if we haven't been doing it since day one, and so you're gonna you're gonna be starting already behind a little bit. So at that point, and we did that with our kids for a few things they didn't want to do. Uh, we got them involved in a couple of things that they were not wanting to, if we asked them, right. And I said, okay, well, we're just going to all do this. And, and that's what we're going to do as a family. Okay. And if it's an individual child, I can't speak to that, unfortunately, but if you got a couple kids, they'll, they'll go along with it as long as you're making them do it. And I think there's a certain age, you can't maybe start at teenagers you know, when, when kids become teenagers and you have, and you're just trying to get started, that's, that's when it becomes just too challenging and they need to start, you need to start getting some authority outside the home to start interacting with your child. But up to, you know, nine-year-old, 10-year-old, 12-year-old even. Can you bribe your teenagers? Can, is it okay to bribe my teenagers? Say, hey, 10 bucks, hang out with me for a half an hour? Yeah. And you're not really bribing them. You're, you know, you're, you're, you're working with them. You're kind of saying, okay, they're doing this for you and you're going to do this for them. But it's like I yeah. said earlier. Sometimes that extrinsic motivation helps out. Absolutely. And there's, you know, what happens, and a lot of times what happens is, is they start to see, oh, this wasn't so bad after all. You know, at least that's what happened with our kids when we, when they didn't want to do some things and then they, then they end up doing it. Like, for example, okay, cleaning up ditches. We got such pushback from our kids for cleaning up ditches. We did it with 4-H Club, so we did somebody else's ditches, but we also did it every year on our own road, and they always gave me grief early on about it at first. Then we started doing it. Pretty soon, it's evolving to where, okay, who, whoever finds the most unique thing gets to pick a prize from our prize box, and we had some cool prizes there. So then they'd be looking for everything from raccoon skulls to, uh, you know, drug needles. I mean, I'm not kidding you. Some of the, some of the strangest stuff, and of course, there's oh. some, we can talk safety about that topic at some other time, but, you know. So, so as parents, we, we do need to make this stuff engaging. I'm not saying that, that kids are yeah. just going to go along with the boring old stuff, but, but make you know, the game. sky's the limit. Yeah. Just make it a game. Make it a game. I mean, the, kids are in that way. Kids are easy. In fact, look for clues from your kids. The title of my book is when kids leave clues. That's what we did with our kids. We looked and we looked and watched. I didn't have time to spend, you know, paying attention to every detail of what every one of our kids is going to. However, we watched enough of the clues they gave us and learned to interpret them accurately. And in that way, it became much, much easier, you know, to parent them. And that's why I think parents got to learn better. It makes sense because if you don't engage with your kids enough and they're struggling with different emotions, if they can't tell you about it, they're going to, they have to let those emotions go. They're going to let it out. And it's probably going to be on, on another kid, unfortunately, oh. or another person. That's why, that's why bullies and gangs and stuff like that are really, you know, really effective, right? Because they see the vulnerable kids and they, we call it prey on them, but
but they're just marketing, right? They're just looking for new recruits. And that's what we have to understand is we have to understand that, that the rest of the world out there is trying to recruit our child or steal them from us. And, and we make it that urgent. That's when we start to pay more attention. I really think it's parents when we struggle. It's not when we're not paying enough attention to what our kids are needing and wanting and asking for. Do you have any advice for parents if their kid happened to join the wrong crowd? So ultimately, the whole process of having, of retaining influence with our kid has to do with connection. We need to build an emotional connection with our kid. That's why we start early. So if we're starting late, that means we neglected to build a strong enough connection with our kid where they trust us the most. Okay, so we have to get that back. Okay, so what we have to do is we have to try to start building that connection now. Okay, and it takes persistence because our kids may tell us no or get away from me or swear at us or act out in other ways. We have to persist and persist and persist. And eventually our kids will start to see that we do love them and we really are concerned about it. And again, along with that, we're also looking out into the community and we're trying to research who these other kids are, who their parents are, what teachers, coaches, pastors, the other adults in their life know about it. And then we can kind of start to make a plan on how to get them back. I, I read lots of stories about other parents who've lost their kids in that regard and they get them back. And, and it really is about, you know, a long process. It can be a long process of just building that connection late, but, but persisting. And, you know, you have to have help doing it. There's no way you're going to, there's, it, it's, it'll be a lot tougher to get them back on your own. You know, you can use a combination of other adults, and consequences within your home, of course. Let's flip it now. So we talked about how to prevent raising bullies. Now my child is being bullied. What advice or tips do you got for us for that? Yes, and it's, it's, it's largely the same, right? I mean, you know, you separate it because most kids who are bullied don't become bullies. They become anxious, stressed, depressed, uh, underachievers, they, they low self-esteem, they, be, they, be, they become victims of, of bullies, and that's where they stay sometimes for life, right? Bullies seem to be different because they're the aggressor. They're, they're the ones who, you know, are always in charge. But the truth is a bully of obviously, I think most of your audience already knows that bullies really uh, have lowest self-esteem themselves, and that's why they act out as they do. You know, so, so the same thing with not raising a bully, you know, or, you know, you have to build connection with these kids. You have to make sure that these kids will come to you when they are being uh, confronted by a bully, you know, and it's not just child bullies we're talking about here either. Remember, there's a, there's a large segment of our adult population preying on kids. And I'm thinking, I'm sure everybody's aware of that by now. And, and so you could also say that this, the, that's type, that's a type of bullying too. Like, uh, you know, so, so really, again, it all boils down to is we need to make sure our kids feel comfortable coming to us. That happens when we build a strong connection with them, which means we have influence over them. They feel safe when they come to us. There's no replacing uh, the kinds of things we do with our kids uh, later on in life with what we do with them early in life. The process is so much easier up front. Let's just say I know it's my child coming home and they're, they don't seem right, and they don't want to tell me what's going on. I know something is wrong with them. And I'm trying to make connection with them. I'm trying to engage with them. 
they're shutting me down and they do this for a couple of days. Any advice to get over that? Or do I just keep engaging, 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 but not too much because I don't want to upset them anymore. Sometimes we just got those stubborn kids who just don't want to open up. How do we get them yeah. to open up? Rough house with them. Uh, one of the tactics I use with our kids to really get them to open up um, is is playful interaction. Okay, when kids, you know, so so there's there's scads of psychology written on roughhousing and how healthy it is for kids and and how kids will, you know, parents can use it as a way to let kids feel and see what what good physical contact is. Okay, there's no threat to it when a parent playfully roughhouses with a kid or even aunts and uncles and so on. Right. And, uh, and so I would never confront a child initially, you know, unless they're bawling, if they're bawling, it might be a little different story there. You want to kind of say, well, you know, tell me what happened and you want to kind of feel it out right away. But I would delay almost 90, like 95 to 99% of those conversations, like letting, you know, getting them to open up about an actual event that happened and set the stage with some interaction, some playful interaction, and or maybe do something, maybe even walk out in nature, you know, take them to the park for some play or something, do an activity with them of some kind, uh, a sport, you know, and, and you don't want to, you don't want to push it off onto a friend. So you don't want, you don't have to say, Hey, have a play date with a friend. You want to be the one so you can start to feel them out. And what happens is you're looking for an opportunity to talk about whatever's bothering them, but but definitely give them some time and, and make some playful interaction first. What it does is, again, it brings their energy level down about this challenge, the stress, the, the fear involved uh, that they had from that, that event of bullying, if that's what it was. And, and almost really any kind of activity that they had. So if they do open up to me yeah. and they tell me what's going on, they do bring up that they're being picked on at school. Yeah. Is it good to make promises to my child saying, I'm going to take care of this. It won't happen again. Or what do I say to them? So I don't, you know, give them those high expectations because maybe I can't fix it right away. What's the correct way to acknowledge that? Certainly that you will help them resolve it. Okay. You tell them you don't have any answers for them yet, certainly, but you'll resolve. It. And the reason is because you really need to find out other perspectives of the situation. You certainly don't want to discount how they feel about something, obviously. But you want to find out if their version is is matching reality. So, you know, you're going to have a conversation with a teacher or or somebody who was supposed to be there. What you know, you're finding out what you're on a fact finding mission, right? What do they know? And now, for example, if they know nothing, then, you know, then when you're having the conversation with your child, you try and find out who is involved. And, and then maybe uh, maybe you could have a conversation with the parent. Part of that problem solving, though, does you want to kind of have the child be a part of it in some way, depending on the level of fear that they have over it. You know, because we, we obviously want to help our kids learn to defend, defend for themselves. So when you say talk to the parent, talk to the parent of the kid that may be bullying my child, you want me to do that? I think that'd be a next step that's appropriate to find out what do they know about it? You know, I mean, there's, there are, really are some variables here, right? I mean, if you're not on good terms with that parent from a previous episode, that, that's, that could be a challenge. What if I don't know the parent? Like, I don't know who they are. Do we, if we know who the kid is, we can find out who the parent is, or is that what you mean? No, what if I don't know the parent and I don't know you this kid? Do I 
want to approach that family saying, hey, your child's picking on my child. What's going on? Well, and, and again, this is a, this is a conversation. Is that what I want to this do? Is, yes. Yes. And, and this is a conversation where people, you have to choose the right language you use. And, and so you're not, I mean, you don't, you don't come into the conversation, obviously blaming the child of the parent's child or the other parent. You're on a fact finding mission. So you want to say, Hey, my child come home today. And, and she thinks she's, she thinks she was being bullied uh, by your son. I'm just wondering if we can talk about it and see if you know anything about what might be going on. So, so really it's just, it's the same old, it's the same old, same old with relationships, right? You know, we're here to, we're here to solve problems. You know, even adults have a relationship problems, right? And so kids need some experience handling relationship problems. So I think it's totally appropriate for us to approach another parent as a show of how you solve problems. You have a conversation with people. So if, if, if yeah. that other child, say these are nine-year-olds, like you mentioned, if the other child's nine-year-old or even 10 or 11, right? That child's brain is not developed enough to know really how to solve this problem. So an adult has to help him or her as well. And so it absolutely is, is reasonable to expect that we'll get other adults involved. Now, obviously a third party is much better if a teacher is aware yes. or a coach. Jerry, you gave us some great advice today on how to not raise a bully and how to help your child that they are being bullied. If parents want to find you, where can they find you at? Sure. So I am on Facebook. I have a business page. I call it the Institute for Confident Parenting. And it's at uh, facebook.com slash Institute for Confident Parenting. And, um, if you go there, I post a lot on how to build connection with kids. That's my main event. And I also talk about self-care, why that is significant to us helping kids from being bullied and from raising bullies. Um, I'm also on, uh, you can email me at jerry at instituteforconfidentparenting.com. Um, I'm on LinkedIn, same, same title. Um, you can find my new book. I wrote a book called When Kids Leave Clues. And again, it's going to help us understand uh, how we can help our kids from being bullied in particular. It talks about character traits, how to build these character traits into kids, which will offset any chances of them being bullied. Um, and you can find that on Amazon.com and just search for When Kids Leave Clues uh, or for my name or search my name, Jerry Burrs. Um, and I also have a website. And um, on my website, it's called instituteforconfidentparenting.com. And again, there I, there, my main purpose there is to help parents to feel confident in their role as a parent and to build better kids and have fun in the process. And grab a, grab a copy of a free report that I have on my page, um, my gift to you. And that should be it. Jerry, it sounds like you have a lot of information on how to connect with your kids out there. So I love that because we can't cover it all in one short little podcast. So I thank you for that, parents. Uh, if you enjoy this podcast, definitely go check out Jerry's website and I will put his link in the show notes. And Jerry, thank you again for coming on. You're welcome, Tim. Glad to be here. And for myself, you can always find us at our very own website, which is www.breakingbullying.com. You can also reach out to us at our email address. If you have a story of your own bullying to share or for whatever reason you want to get a hold of us, our email address is breakbullyinghere at gmail.com. Now, if you're a victim of bullying and you don't know where to turn, there is an online resources to help you. 
The first is the government's very own anti-bullying website, and the address is www.stopbullying.gov. And other online resource is www.pacer.org backslash bullying. Now, if you have had thoughts of suicide or of self-harm, we implore you to stop. Reach out to the National Suicide Hotline. That number is very simple. It's 988. I'm Tim Flynn, and thank you for listening. And we will be back next week to continue the conversation to break the silence on bullying.